0: Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. As God has been allowing me to navigate my customized path for abundance and joy and E, all the above, he is also opening my eyes to the things that still kill and destroy everything that was meant for me to enjoy. He is literally allowing me to dissect life in a way that I have never perceived it before and if I'm honest it is blowing my mind I am in awe shock suspense I mean this is like literally I'm almost looking at myself like have we been living at all <laughs> like I'm a little bit wow, I'm a little bit confused on what we've been doing. Have we been on autopilot to the point that awareness was just not in the chat? Have we just been doing the things that appear to be awesome externally and never really feeding ourselves internally? Have we learned everyone else's nuances and their quirks and the things that mean something to everyone else and we never stop to identify if we align with those things or those people or those places? Like, what have we been doing all of this time? And the number one thing that God has been bringing to my attention is the way that I have viewed time. Now, I think that some of that view is inherited. If you had someone that felt like you should be here by this particular juncture in your life, that in your career you should be getting paid at this point, all of these different things, like I think that we collectively start to inherit some of the ideals of time, if not by our blood relatives or our closest friends, definitely by society. Because society lets you know, how old are you? Oh, you better start having some kids. I'm sorry, how long have you worked here? And you're still in that entry level position? Oh, okay. How long have you been renting? Wow, you never wanted to be a homeowner? okay. How long have you been out of school? And you still have student loans? Oh, okay. Well, you know. And so there are all these nuances to, if not where you should be, but most importantly, there are blaring neon lights going off in the time sector of the world. This is when you are set to retire. So you got to have this much in the bank because if you don't inflation and all this other stuff, and then you start to feel like, oh goodness. Oh, you got kids. If you didn't go ahead and set up a college fund, a 529 plan, by the time they get to college, they're going to be poor. It's like, oh my gosh, you're bigger than the name of Jesus. But they really put the pressure on you when it comes to time. And then we're oblivious to it. And then it's not until we start identifying our own accomplishments, identifying where we're actually at, that we start to use time against us. And then we have the nerve to look at God like, um... It should have happened by now it should have i should have received that blessing by now i'm this age so i asked you these things this however long ago i should have been here by now like god where are you and it again the number one thing that he keeps bringing up to me is like bro, i created time as a tool to help you move to and fro i wanted you to know oh okay this is fall so the time should go you know if we should fall back and then oh spring we should spring ahead in time. Oh, around this time we dress in this particular layers and then when it's this juncture we take off that many layers. like I gave y'all time as a tool. Don't give it to me like I, like I wasn't the creator of it. You almost are using my tool that I gave to help you. You using it against me. I'm sorry. And when you look at time in that fashion, it hinders you. You have a love-hate relationship with time. Because singlehood is, is a drag. You're lonely. So you should be married by now. Okay. The marriage is getting whatever. And you start to look at it like it's missing something. So you should have kids by now okay you know what you you feel like you got so much more in you and this job is not really giving you what you need you should be promoted by now you should have been a manager by now you should be making six figures now like why are you not a billionaire yet like didn't you just launch your business yesterday like i'm sorry were you like i'm sorry what happened to you going viral like what happened to you and it's all these neon lights pointing back to time and god lovingly enough tapped me on my shoulder and asked the following question and it permeated my soul in a way that I was like, sir, I get it. God simply asked me, what's the rush? What's the rush? What are you racing to get to? What deadline for what purpose? Like, what are you doing? What is the rush? Now, I love watching Olympic races, right? Right. And so i we all picked up some of the, again, earth is going to always give you external cues that they want you to inhibit it internally. So who gets the gold podium first place acknowledgement? The one that completed their particular task, race, whatever the fastest. Correct. You're not, you don't have to be the most talented, you know, that's why we all try to rush when we were in school to be the first one finished when it came to test. That's why it's, it's who gets there the fastest. And I think that we've taken that elementary way of thinking and we've added that element into our lives and we don't realize it's working against us. God was like, yo, if I wanted to, I could have made this entire world and everything in it in two minutes. I strategically showed you and introduced you to myself in a way in Genesis that made you see that I was not in a rush. As a matter of fact, on the first day, I did one thing. I said, let there be light. And then that was all I did for that day. If God had an Instagram and he was like, yeah, I'm opening up a business like, oh, what you do? I just went today and turned on the light and I closed it. It was a great business day. We would clown him. A great business day. Like how much did you sell? Okay, did you how many views did you get? Okay, how much traffic did you get? Okay, how much we put a we connect success and everything else to a number. But again and again and again, what God has been showing me in this particular season of silence and restoration is I want you to have a different relationship with time. I actually was zooming out and I looked at where did I pick this up from? Like, where did I start to see that I was having a contorted relationship with time? And it was because childhood was uncomfortable. So then that's when you start to plant the seed of, man, I can't wait till I turn 18. So then that childhood starts to be a blur outside of the moments that weren't so good because you are so focused on future that you're not even here right now. And so, okay, you go ahead and you become 18 and man, I can't wait till I get a better paying job. Man, I can't wait till this particular season is over. I can't wait till I get off of this particular, if it was a harsh financial month. Man, I can't wait. And so you start to implement the cliche. We all said it in our culture, but again, words have power. I can't wait until fill in the blank. And so that's when, if we are honest with ourselves, we started to adapt a very kind of toxic relationship with time and I literally looked at my life and I said yo God I realized that no matter how much I prayed no matter how much I got a temper tantrum in the spirit no matter how much I you know in the name of Jesus made it a little bit emotional no matter how many people I got to touch and agree to whatever it is that I was trying to get you to do no matter how much i tried to fast so i can move the hand of god no matter how much i tried to control the situation in the spiritual realm in the earthly realm no matter what i did you did it in the time frame that you set it for and then sometimes you gave me the thing prematurely just for me to see ooh i i wasn't ready uh, oh, Okay, time out. Uh, I thought I wanted that title. I didn't realize how much you were protecting me from. I thought I wanted to date such and such. I didn't realize there were so many other underlining administrative issues going on that I don't even want to be a part of. I thought I wanted that particular car, quick, fast, in a hurry. You let me buy it. And I didn't realize why they were selling it so quickly. There were so many mechanical issues going on. I didn't realize that anything that is quick, anything that is rush is usually absence of wisdom It's absent of something that is supposed to be protecting you, but you wanted to rush to it so fast that God was like, listen, sometimes I got to let you see that the stove is hot. I literally was like, okay, so I get it now. What happened was before when there was a, I can't wait, what we were essentially saying is. I'm going to, because I believe that the human brain is created in a way that it's supposed to fashion and protect us. And so when something is currently presently uncomfortable, I think what we do with our minds and our emotions is we place ourselves somewhere else in the future that will be more desirable, that will be more favorable. And we say, no, don't worry. You're not going to always feel like this. It will be different when. But when we don't auto adjust that once we arrive We will always be in a constant state of trying to get somewhere else to feel something different, not realizing that we can create that same emotion where we are now. When you were a child, you were depending on other people. You couldn't do certain things on your own. You couldn't even probably work the way you wanted to work. But when your variables change, your mindset should update. And the problem with being filled with trauma or around something that was uncomfortable, we never stopped to say, oh, okay, let's update this now. Like we cannot wear summer clothes all throughout the year, we would get sick. But what is our prompting indicators that you need to put your summer clothes away? It gets darker faster and longer. It gets cold, It, it seasons are changing. This is the time that we start celebrating most of the holidays and this, that, and the third. So you have these external indicators letting you know something needs to change within you and around you. But we don't have that in our everyday lives. No one's saying, hey, sweetheart, you're not in that abusive relationship anymore. You don't have to view men that way. Hey, listen, that one girl who did that one thing that one time and it kind of like really put an indent on your soul. You don't have to look at women that way. Hey, listen, I know that that one job did that one thing that one time. But listen, that's not how all corporate people are. And as a matter of fact, we're not even going to call that particular prior job corporate corporate because it it literally was something way different it was a ghetto it was great value corporate like you understand like listen we're not I know you had that one little scare situation happen with cars but listen not everybody's out to get people like I we don't have anything that comes and taps us on the shoulder and say hey your variables are different why don't you can go ahead and update your mindset around this now you can go ahead and think differently on this now and when you think differently about something you approach it different and you get a different Result. I literally have gotten to the place that I have completely submitted my life to God. Not in a compartmentalized way where you're like, okay, God, you can have me in that. You can have me in my gifts. You can have me, blah, 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 blah. And then secretly you're like, but for this time frame. Like if I'm honest, I'm I'm gonna be unveiled. That's exactly what I was feeling. I am now at a place that I'm like, God, you can have me for however way you want to have me for however long you want to do this. But listen, the only way that I will not stop showing up is if Jesus comes and I'm just gonna ask the Holy Spirit to strengthen me to make sure sure that I am consistent in saying yes to you and saying yes to my calling I literally was like yo I I never had that mindset because I'm the grandbaby that I'm like I'm gonna give it a year and then after that I'm gonna go ahead and do something different I'm gonna go ahead and give it and I will put a time frame on my consistency. I will put a time frame on how much I want to do a thing. I will put a time frame on progress. And it's like, but when you do that, you box God in. I always heard that terminology, but I never knew what that meant. It's like, you are literally telling God, if you don't do it within this time frame, I don't want it. And I was thinking to myself, what if Mary would have did that? What if when Gabriel came to Mary? He was like, you know, he said all the things he said to her, you're gonna have the baby, his name's gonna be, you know, Jesus, and he's gonna be a boy and all this other stuff, and he's gonna be cute, and he's gonna, you know, pretty much gave her the rundown that she's gonna be carrying the Messiah. But what if she was like, cool, um, but y'all gotta make sure that this is all done by the time that he is 20. Uh I'm sorry, because, you know, in in our house, in our culture, it's like, listen, after 18, you had to get up out of my house. So if he's the Messiah, you know, I'll give him some grace, let's say 20. And it would have been like, ah, Mary, you are a decade off, (laughs) ma'am. I ain't going to hold you. Listen, when God gives you the idea, when God trusts you enough to give you the preview and the trailer, you don't get to tell him when the movie should come out. You don't get to tell him how to make it a box office bestseller. You don't get to do that. If God trusts you enough to at least give you a preview, then that means that he's saying, I want you to connect yourself to this preview. I want you to connect yourself and be passionate about this because if I gave it to you early, that means that it's probably going to be a little bit of time before it happens. But I don't want you to forget what I told you. Yes, yeah, okay, the boss says, yeah, we're going to give raises out next year, and then next year comes, you're like, what happened? Ah, you know, the fiscal and blah, blah. Yeah, people go ahead and contort and forget their words. God doesn't. And so I have gotten to the place that I have literally said, and I said, yo, this is like a new level of unlocked maturity. I ain't even going to hold me. I literally said, have your way, whatever that looks like. I, cause I don't want to say it should have happened in a year, but it would have been way sweeter in five. And so my question was, yo, do you want it fast or do you want it fulfilled? Do you want to be fruitful or you want to be first? Like, so what's really the win for you? And I was like, yo, honestly, if I would have got married when I said I wanted to be married, I don't think I would have still been married because there were some things that God had to get out of me. There were some things that God needed to implant within me. There was some mindset, some adjustments, some characteristic things that he needed to sharpen and some things that had to be sanded off of me that honestly, I don't think I would have had longevity at all in that area. I do not. I am so glad that God didn't give me most of the things that I asked for when I asked for it. But what really started getting my attention is the things that God blessed me with is when I wasn't hovering over him in prayer god please i want a husband god please i want a house god please i want to yeah when i didn't have to do the begging in the spirit and i just let it go like hey i already cast it you know i let my request be known i said whatever it is and i continue to live my life not in a posture of well hope that works but just on it like no I said what I said. I didn't forget what I said. I know that you're not forgetful, but I'm also not going to keep hovering over you. Like, yo, I know that you're cooking and I could smell it and I could sense it in my spirit and I could sense God's presence in the area. He would send me little reminders like I didn't forget. And I'm like, oh, I know. Trust me, it's okay. But when I literally stepped out of the kitchen and let God cook up what he wanted to cook up for my life, yo, when the blessing came, it was so much sweeter because it was the element of surprise. And then also, that's why you took so long. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, God. And I think that if you would have gave this to me earlier, I wouldn't have seen the beauty. I don't think I would have really been grateful. I don't think I really would have seen all that you put into it and, and the facets of it and the way that I'm appreciating it is because now I'm looking at it different. Like my, the blessing is just not a blessing. It's art it's to be marveled on because what a mighty God we serve. Oh my goodness. And most of this came through experience and just is spending time with God and just looking at how he blessed other people and getting into my word. And so when he was transforming me, it wasn't just to transform me. It was to transform my my palate so that when I received my blessing, it didn't taste like it was just dollar menu, dollar general situations. When he gave it to me. Oh, my goodness. It almost makes you tearful. Because you're like, oh, God, you know how to speak to me in only a way that touches a part of my soul that is just. I can't put words to it. It's like utopia in my spirit. And when I thought about when God blessed me without me feeling like I had to do anything Holy Spirit Junior-like, it was so much sweeter. So I said, God, you can have my business. Literally. I I know I wanted to see these figures come in at that. You can have my business. You can have the gift that you gave me. You gifted it to me, but you know what? I want to give it back to you so that you can show me how you want me to use it in this season. And as I walk through different seasons of my life, you just have to tell me what you want to do here. I am hovering over my children. Like, Oh, you know, I want to make sure like, yo, everything that you want, God wants 10 times more. Who do you think gave you those desires in the first place to want to protect love and serve your children like yo give them back to God and so literally I looked at any and every portion of my life and I asked myself real talk did you submit this back to God because I think that we hit a cap and we hit a ceiling when we don't give it back to God Yeah, it's in in the culture, we go ahead and we Christian babies back to God after a certain time. So we know it in a sense, like we were taught it in a sense, but we don't do it in every area of our lives. And just when I realized. It's not about when it arrives. It truly is. Who am I? Once I receive it. I literally understood when God was saying to me what's the rush? And the Holy Spirit brought me back to the Israelites. And it's amazing to me that with the Bible, you see something different depending on the season that you're in. And when I read this, I was like, honestly, I did not see it in this way. To be completely honest with you, I, I guess, again, it's the living word. And so when you are in certain seasons, you see something different that you wouldn't have seen before, because it wasn't in season for you to receive that. So I literally was like, okay, Exodus 14. I'm going to read from the NLT version. Literally I' blown away. So give you a little bit of backdrop. This is when the Israelites were in the wilderness and Pharaoh let them go finally. And then he realized, oop, made a mistake. Let me go back and get what's rightfully mine because we let like a million plus of them free workers go. And like, I don't know what we were thinking, but let's go back to get them. So they, the Israelites is getting scared, blah, blah, blah. Let's pick up from verse 13. So Exodus 14, NLT version, verse 13. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. 14, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. 15, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. 16, pick up your staff. And raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. 17. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through the Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots, his charioteers. 18. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. 19. Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. 20. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and the Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night. 21. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong East wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land 22. So the people of Israel walked along the middle of the sea on the dry ground with walls of water on each side 23. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, charioteers chased them into the middle of the sea 24. But just before dawn, The Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. 25. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here. Away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. 26. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, Raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and the chariot and charioteers. 27. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the water rushed back into his usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. 28. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariot and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh, of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. Pause. Yo, I get it now. I get why emotional prayers, God doesn't really, he's not moved by that. I get that when we're crying because, you know, the Egyptians were crying because Pharaoh was chasing them. But sometimes we cry to God because debt is chasing us. Sometimes we cry to God because emotional wounds are chasing us. Sometimes we're crying to God because what happened at the job is still chasing us. Like so many things can literally move us to a place that we start spiritually having a connection with God that starts to turn into an emotional temperature tantrum in the spirit that sometimes he just looks at us like, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. And when I read that before, I was like, God, that was a little bit like, you were like, okay, why are you crying to me? But then I finally saw it different. He says in verse 15, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. And literally it's not until God moves from the pillar of cloud and turns into the fire and all these other different things and blah, blah, blah. It's not until we get to verse 21. It says, then Moses raised his hand over the sea and the Lord opened up a path through the water." It's like, oh, they had some ways to go before they even got to where God can create an opening. Are you praying and nagging and crying to God before you even get to the place that he's like, yo, just show up at the job. Then I can do something with the supervisor. Yo, just show up to the bank. Then I can do something with your bank account. Yo, just show up to the family gathering. Then I can go ahead and start putting some healing in place. Yo, just show up to the thing so I can create a way. You crying, I can't create nothing through your tears. I'm trying to get you to a place that I could create a path for you to walk through. I was like, time out. These folks are crying. He went ahead and told Moses what his next step should be. Verse 19 then says, then the angel of God who had been leading the people of Israel moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. 20, the cloud settled between the Egyptian and Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night. 21, then Moses raised his hand over the sea and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all night, turning the seabed into dry land. Bruh, you're crying almost a day and some change ahead of when God can actually create the path. You're not in a location where he can create anything. You're giving him your tears. You're giving him your emotions. And he's like, yo, forget the emotion. Stop putting some stuff in motion so I can move some stuff around. I'll move heaven and hell for you. I'll go ahead and split a red sea for you. But I can't move nothing if you don't move first. I said, yeah, I can't why emotional prayers don't work for you, Lord. He was like, Exactly. But then, what got me really, really like time out, I'm reading how long it's taking God to even open up the path. It took him a while because the Bible says that he had to go ahead and go to the rear of the camp and put some space between Pharaoh and the Egyptians all night. I was like, hmm, okay. And then verse 24 says, but just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. And then verse 27 says, so as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand. I'm like, bruh, they are in trouble, sir. You don't want to move a little bit faster? You don't want to do a whole bunch of like, you know, just... Was put a little salt and do something that it will be quicker. Because what I realized was he took his sweet time to go ahead and part the sea. But you know, you know how fast it took for him to go ahead and put it back in his rightful place almost immediately. 27. So as the sun began to rise. Moses raised his hand over the sea and the waters rushed back into his usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. That's the only time I saw the word rush. Cause God wasn't in a rush any other time. He was like, no part It's going to take a while. Because when you part it and it's two walls of water on each side, you got to walk across dry land. It takes a little bit. So no, we going to wait. No, don't worry about whatever they're doing. I already got, I'm back here making sure that they don't go ahead and try to do anything different with y'all. Also, I'm going to go ahead and do something to their chariots and charioteers so they can't get up to you. Like, don't worry about them. We just going to wait for this to dry a little bit. Mm -hmm. We just going to sit here and watch it dry a little bit. Yeah. Oh. But, but, God, we need to keep moving. What's the rush? But, God, what is the rush? They're not chasing us anymore. And even if they were, they can't get to us. And even if they did, you would do something to make sure that they couldn't. What is the rush? Exactly. I said, oh, the only time I saw anything related to rushing is when God was like, mm, let me put everything back in its rightful place because the Israelites or the Egyptians you see today, you won't see them again. I literally have a different heart posture. What's the rush? You move at God's pace and God will put everything else in place. You move the way that God intends. You move the way that God put on your heart. You just make sure that you're emotionally clear enough to hear the instructions so that when you get there, you're not confused. You make sure that you are prepared by Thanksgiving and being grateful and praying in however way God downloads instructions for you. But while you're trying to rush to arrive, God is trying to make sure that you know that you know that you know what to do once you get there. Because no, m- notice, Moses never said, hold on, you said to do what again? Hold on, wait, real quick. You said to take my staff and do what? Like, just make sure that you're clear to hear it the first time. Make sure that you got a one and done in your spirit. You understand? There is no rush. God gets the final say. So if you don't control time then let's stop trying to do it in an emotional way anyway. Literally, I get it now. I get why God was like, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Because you crying in the middle. You crying a day or so ahead. You crying a decade before it's supposed to happen. You're crying. The time frame that you're crying out is premature. You still got some ways to go to even be in the interception of God's blessing. So literally, let's put all the emotions to the side. Let's go ahead and stop comparing our lives to other people. Let's stop getting our life cues from the external environments, media, friends, family, E or the above. And let's start asking God to Fuel us for the journey ahead so that we're not crying out prematurely, so that we're not quitting prematurely. People quit, not because they can't do it no more, but because they don't have enough And they're fueled to keep going for God's time frame. The moment that you feel like quitting, you should stop yourself and say, God, in and of myself as a human being, I feel the need to stop, to preserve myself. That's the only reason why humans stop because they're trying to preserve their emotions, their energy, and everything else that comes with being a human. So what you should be saying is God, as a human being, I feel the need to stop. But as a spirit being, I'm going to ask you to fuel me, Holy spirit, I'm going to tag you into the race because I. I can't do this by myself. So I'm going to step outside the ring, tag you, and give myself a little bit of rest. But we dare not stop. I'm just going to swap. I'm going to swap out human being for a spirit being experience. And we need to start looking at it differently. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, God has the final say. Period. Do you understand that? All right, listen. Um, I feel like you got what you needed. Mm-hmm. You know what these conversations, all right? They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person's going to have with you anyway, but who, your favorite homegirl. What's your favorite website? Glad you said it. Created, the number two, multiply.com. What's your favorite YouTube channel? The same thing? Created to multiply? Very much. What's your favorite Patreon? strive the letter N inspire for the Texan blog community. Listen, I'm a fan of everything you were a fan of. Um, even if it's something that I created, but it's fine. It's between me and the Lord. Okay. But you have Patreons and websites and YouTube channels to go visit. So I'm gonna go ahead and let you let me go. Okay. We talk later. Absolutely. Later.